Disclaimer for the episode, uh, there is, majority of this episode, the audio is kind of messed up, and I'm trying everything that I can to rectify this issue. I'm still, I appreciate everyone that is continuing to support. Uh, I apologize. I'm I'm trying to figure it out. I don't know what's going on, uh, but I don't want to not give out an episode, so I understand if you can't listen to it. Uh, I understand. So I apologize, and hopefully I, I, I get this fixed soon. But thanks for the support, and here's the episode. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I would like to welcome you to episode 368 of the Unpopular Podcast. This is the man, the myth, the legend, Jalen Hunter. And here at the Unpopular Podcast, not only ask you to agree with me, I'm asking you to hear me out. Before we start this episode, I guess I'll give a, 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 a disclaimer. You know exactly what I'm about to start this episode with. In the sports world, when a superstar gets traded, when any player gets traded, that has the cachet, that has the stature that Damian Lillard does, you have to talk about it. I understand that there's been a sea of podcasts, emergency podcasts that have talked about this Damian Lillard trade. And I'm going to break it down in my, with my glasses, of course. I'm going to break it down the way that I see it. If you don't want to hear it, if you're all Damian Lillard out, I understand completely. I have the time stamps uh, in the description. You can just skip over to the topic that you want to hear. But when a superstar requests a trade, in fact, let me let me let me tell you what happens in real time. In real time, I'm on my phone and I see an alert. That says Damian Lillard is traded. And the very first thought I had was, okay, well, it finally happened. The Portland Trail Blazers finally traded Damian Lillard to the Miami Heat. Seeing as though Miami Heat was the only team that we heard that Damian Lillard wanted to go to. He said it. His agent said it. Uh, people out of the, organi- the Portland organization said it. Miami Heat players said it. Everyone around this situation has said that Damian Lillard wanted to go, and the only place he wanted to go was the Miami Heat, and he would not go anywhere else. So fast forward, when I get the alert saying, hey, Damian Lillard got traded, I'm like, all right, cool. It's not as shocking because I knew we knew it was coming, but we just didn't know when. But then when I opened the alert and when I opened the notification and it said Damian Lillard traded to Milwaukee, I was like, wait, wait, wait a second, excuse me? <laughs> Whoa, hold on. You see, what's fascinating about this trade and why I feel, if you don't want to hear it, I understand completely. Again, the timestamps are on the bottom. You can skip to you know, the, 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 the football aspect of this show or skip to the next topic. But what is so fascinating about this trade is... Just how many people and how many teams it affects. The official trade was a three-team trade. 
The Milwaukee Bucks receive Damian Lillard. The Portland Trailblazers get DeAndre Ayton, Tormian Camara. I know I said your name wrong, bro. I apologize. Drew Holiday, a 2029 first-round pick and two first-round pick swaps. The Phoenix Suns receive Grayson Allen, Keenan Johnson, Nazir Little, and Yusuf Nurkic. We are going to break down, of course, what this trade means for the Bucks, what this trade means for the Portland Trailblazers, what this trade means for the Phoenix Suns, and there's one more team that I have to discuss, and we will discuss them last. For the Bucks, the you kind of have to tip your hat to Giannis Antetokounmpo because for the last maybe. M- month to two three weeks Giannis has been on this has a (laughs) he's been on a very interesting media run he's been on this run where it's like hey I know my value I know what I stand for I know how good I am if an organization if this organization that is the Milwaukee Bucks does not align with my goals which is ultimately competing for a championship Of course I have to leave. Of course I would have to go. When you have a player as good as Giannis Antetokounmpo flirting with leaving your organization, I don't know if you guys remember that this is SportsCenter um, commercial where they have the alarm going off and you see mascots and, and former anchors just running all over the place. That is probably what happens in a basketball organization or any sports organization when your fate, when your star player is pretty much outwardly flirting with other teams. Losing a player like Giannis is almost uh, <laughs> is almost franchise and not almost. It's definitely franchise resetting. And you don't believe me? There's there's been multiple, uh, multiple examples in history when the Bulls have not been the Bulls ever since Michael Jordan left. Now, yes, I understand Derrick Rose, he and Jimmy Butler, they had like maybe a two three year run where they were a really good, maybe four year run, with where the Bulls were one of those top teams, but they haven't been to the the mountaintop since Michael Jordan. As 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 good as Joel Embiid is, as good as James Harden has been, as good as the Philadelphia 76ers organization looks to be, they haven't been the same since Allen Iverson took them to the NBA Finals. When you lose a player that when you lose a player like Giannis of that momentous stature, that is a franchise change. That's a franchise reset. And the Bucks were in no way, shape, or form ready, prepared, or even want to lose a player like that and be in a reset. So they got to work. Now, I don't know the inner workings of how they got Damian Lillard. I don't know how this exactly went down. But what I do know is as we sit here today on a Saturday morning, Damian Lillard has a Milwaukee logo on his chest. So what does this mean for the upcoming future and for this upcoming season? Damian Lillard is 
I said this. I I did like a quick post as soon as it happened about my initial thoughts. Damian Lillard is one of the greatest point guards we have ever seen. He's one of the greatest scoring point guards we have ever seen in the history of basketball. There's a reason why Damian Lillard, even though he hasn't played for as long as you would think, Damian Lillard landed or is on the NBA 75 team. Damian Lillard is that good of a player. And even with the turmoil that went on last year with Portland and him missing the end of the season, Damian Lillard still averaged, I think, like 32 points a game. You would be foolish to not think that Damian Lillard is one of the greatest shooters of all time. And even with everything that went on with him in Portland last year and this offseason, Damian Lillard is still one of the best point guards in basketball. And what has been one of the biggest question marks, or not question marks, what has been one of the biggest problems for the Milwaukee Bucks in their Giannis Antetokounmpo tender? tenure it has been their off-court or their half-court offense they have one of they struggle mightily or they have struggled with Giannis on the on the team they have struggled mightily with their half-court offense because outside of Chris Middleton they haven't really had a player that can create their own shot and be as reliable putting the ball on the ground and getting their own shot and catch and shoot they haven't had a reliable self self offense creator outside of Chris Middleton and with Chris Middleton being hurt the last what two three years it has really put a hindrance and really put a strain on the Milwaukee Bucks half court offense as great as Drew Holiday is and Drew Holiday is one of the most underrated players in basketball we'll talk about him when we talk about the Portland Trailblazers but Damian Lillard, oh, Damian Lillard unlocks a part of the floor that the Bucks have re, have have struggled with, and that, of course, is the off of the half court offense. You have two players now that not only are on the NBA seventy five list, but you have two players that will arguably go down as. If the NBA stopped today, let's say this. If the NBA stopped today, Damian Lillard and Giannis are our are, are first ballot Hall of Famers. Clear cut, no questions. If you do have questions and you haven't really been watching either one. You're also talking to uh, you're also talking about two players that are franchise changing players on one team. In the video I put out, I, I said the word prolific. When just thinking about the schemes and thinking about the offensive sets that this team can run, this Giannis, when we talk about the perfect complements for each other, I would say Giannis's perfect complement would probably be Steph Curry. 
when we talk about somebody, two players that can dominate two sides of the floor or two parts of the floor equally, I would say the perfect compliment for Giannis is probably Steph. The second person I would think of immediately is Damian Lillard. I said that this offense and this team, at least this year, should be prolific because you're you have two unstoppable players. Damian Lillard dropped Damian Lillard playing on a team where he is the main focus in Portland for years. Last year he dropped 71 on a team. I started this episode with saying that when a team when a player as as good as Giannis starts publicly flirting with other teams, that usually means you have to get the ball rolling now. And there's no better player for the Milwaukee Bucks to get that ball rolling now as far as yo we need to f- either we need to start moving to moving players or we need to start moving the star. But once you start flirting with or publicly flirting with other teams, you have to make moves at the organization. This is the perfect move that they could have made. I think in the short term, this has to make the Milwaukee Bucks the favorite, at least in the East. Outside of Boston, there is a lot of, and even in Boston, there is a lot of question marks with other Eastern Conference teams. Like what's going to happen with James Harden and Joel Embiid in Philly. Even with uh, even in Boston, what's going to happen with Malcolm Brogdon? It looks like they're not okay. They're the the Boston Celtics and Malcolm Brogdon aren't on the same page. Uh, reports are saying that Jason Tatum is going to play a lot of point guard, which I don't I don't know how successful that's going to be. How are they? How is Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown going to fit with a Kristaps Porzingis? There's a lot of question marks with the Boston Celtics. There's a lot of question marks with the Toronto Raptors. Uh, you know, how are they going to fare now that Fred Van Vliet is gone? And are they going to start the rebuild? Are they going to are they moving Pascal Siakam? They're, the the Bulls, are they ever going to get it together? Is it time for the Bulls to finally blow it up? There are so many question marks in the Eastern Conference that it would to me, it's the Milwaukee Bucks are the clear cut favorites in the East. The qu- only question I have right now is. Is Milwaukee going to be the favorite? I know Caesar Sportsbooks and all the betting sites have them as favorites to win it all. But I still need to see what they look like on paper. I have absolutely no questions that Damian Lillard and Giannis are going to fit together. The question that I have is with the roster, you give up a Drew Holiday, you give up a Grayson Allen. Both of those players are very integral. Now, yes, I'm not saying you don't give them up if you have, you know, if you have the opportunity to get Damian Lillard, but Damian Lillard is not, (laughs) he's not the best defender and you give up a lot of defense, especially in the the backcourt and you give up depth. I think right now, as we speak, the, there's only two solid defenders on the Milwaukee Bucks, and that is, of course, Giannis and Brooke Lopez. Now, Chris Middleton is a good defender, but he hasn't really been that good of a defender since his injuries started started matriculating. So I don't know if he's ever going get, to get back to that defensive or 
reliable defensive uh, uh, player. So I, I want to see how they fare with, you know, when they have to play a a solid front quarter, when they have to play or a back court, I'm sorry, when they have to play maybe a Golden State or a Lakers or, you know, something like that. But this Bucks team is going to be hella good. I that's that's just that's just what I got for you. This Bucks team is going to be incredible. And they're going to be shouts out to Stephen A. Smith. He's, they're going to be lethal. They're going to be prolific. They're going to be fast. This team is because think about how you any given night, man, you can have Giannis go off, which he's done on several occasions. You can have Damian Lillard go off. You can have Chris Middleton go off. You can have all three go off. Ah, man, this is when a, I said this before, man, when a player like when a superstar moves, this is seismic. It is such a seismic move, and it reverberates throughout the entire NBA or throughout the entire sports league, whichever star it is. And if Chris Middleton can get back to the Chris Middleton that was a, a underrated star that was a very integral piece to the Milwaukee Bucks winning a championship um if Giannis can continue to be Giannis which nobody thinks that he's not going to be and if he, and if Damian Lillard can continue to be Damian Lillard which nobody thinks he isn't going to be I would be shocked if I don't if this Milwaukee not only would I be shocked I'd be shocked and to me it would be a complete failure if this Milwaukee Bucks team doesn't at least make it to the NBA championship. That's the type of player that the Bucks are getting in Damian Lillard and that's the it is such a perfect marriage. The Bucks needed a point guard that can give you off offense especially in the half court and that can take off the the scoring pressure off of Giannis and and Chris Milton now again no offense and this is not me taking shots at Drew Holiday but that's just Drew at least offensively Damian Lillard is much much better than Drew Holiday and this is going this again this is a perfect marriage Damian Lillard to the Milwaukee Bucks and yeah, I'm excited to see, man. With trades like this, you also hear stories and you also hear reports, especially after it happens, about things that you wouldn't expect or aspects of the trade or aspects of the relationship between the player and the team that wasn't privy information before the trade. And with Damian Lillard getting traded out of Portland, you're hearing stories that, you know, or reports that Damian Lillard was going to rescind his trade request. But the the team, the GM didn't didn't want rescinded. He didn't want Damian Lillard back. You're hearing story. You're hearing reports that Damian Lillard, they asked or Damian Lillard to sit out the last few games of the season because they wanted a better draft pick. You're hearing reports saying that Damian Lillard now wanted to come back to Portland, but they just didn't want him back. I talked about every time I talk about Damian Lillard, I talk about that whole loyalty thing. And 
how that loyalty word is more of a crutch, is more of a weight than it is a positive when we talk about sports. Because an organization, a fan base, can always go back to that loyal word when a player feels that they aren't being treated or being compensated the way that they feel they should. And it's not just, when I say compensate, I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about talent. When a player as good as Damian Lillard is on your organization, I feel, you know what, you know what should happen? The same thing that's happening with Golden State should, ha- should have happened with Portland. All we're hearing is, yo, as great as Steph Curry is, that window is not open for long. So let's maximize this Steph Curry window. So you see them getting people, you know, they're, they're keeping Clay, they're keeping Draymond Green, they're getting someone like uh, Chris Paul, they're getting players that can maximize this Steph Curry window. I'm not saying that they're ultimately going to win again, but they're trying their hardest to win now. And you can clearly see it. Portland never did that. Or if they tried to do that, they didn't do that well at all. And the situation, the issue that I have, and the issue that Damon Lillard ultimately had is, yo, you see how good I am. You see how good I, Damon Lillard's arguably the best player the Portland Trailblazers have ever had. And they did a piss poor job at trying to maximize Damian Lillard's talents. And don't get it twisted, bro. Just because Damian Lillard requested a trade last or this offseason, they've wanted to move off of Damian Lillard way before then. But it's all about image. Nobody wants to be, especially, again, it goes back to that loyalty thing. Nobody wants to be the first one to move after someone has said, no, we're loyal to this person or I want to be loyal to this person. They, that person doesn't ultimately then want to say, yeah, but I don't want to be with you. So, cause when, so when you look at what, what the Portland Trailblazers got, you get DeAndre Ayton, you get uh, Tamani Kamara, you get Drew Holiday, you get a 2029 first-round pick, and you get two pick swaps from the Bucks. What that tells me is they know... Oh, and of course, reports are saying that they're going to move off of Drew Holiday, which obviously, in my opinion, was the best piece that they could have got or was the best piece that they got in this trade. That tells me that they understand that they don't want to they're not competing now. I know you have Scoot Henderson. You have Shaden, uh, Shaden Sharp. I, I, you have Anthony Simons. You have a young core. And there is nobody there is nobody more perfect to pair to add to a young core than more youth. That's what you see the Detroit Pistons do. They got Jalen Duran. They got um, Cade Cunningham. They they have Jaden Ivey. Like they just keep adding youth. Drew Holiday would be perfect if he was at that point of his career where he couldn't really contribute to a championship team, kind of like or. If Drew Holiday went to, like, let's say the L.A. Lakers, he would be a monumental move 
it, it would be a monumental move for the for the Los Angeles Lakers. Eric Gordon goes to the Clippers. It's a big move, but it's not that big. That's that's kind of what I'm talking about. And I'm not, I, <laughs> I know Eric Gordon just caught a stray sort of, but I don't mean it. No disrespect. But the Portland Trail Blazers, it's a win lose win if you look at it like that. But the win is you get off the player that you wanted to get off, and you don't look bad in this situation at all. That's I think that I think is what what took so long as far as this whole Damian Lillard and Portland Trail Blazers marriage to finally dissolve. What took so long is no one wanted to look bad in this situation. I think when they traded C.J. McCollum, they also wanted to trade Damian Lillard, but they just couldn't because they would look horrible. Nobody wanted to look bad. Damian Lillard didn't want to look bad. Uh, The Portland Trailers didn't want to look bad. And honestly, sports is a business. And there's, there is such thing as good business and bad business. And where I can't absolve Damian Lillard is, is Damian Lillard did practice in a little bit of bad business. I'm not saying it was totally bad, but Damian Lillard did practice in a little bit of bad business. Because when you request a trade, the hardest thing to do, or the, the worst thing that you can do, is not only request a trade publicly, but request a trade publicly to only one team. And then your manager, your business partners come out and say, yo, if he gets traded to, to another team outside of that one team, he's not gonna report to camp. He's not going to, to he's gonna request another trade because he just wants to play for that one team. That is bad business. Because you're putting your current employer in a tough, tough situation. Because now you can't really get anything of value because, A, teams around the NBA know that you're, the player that you're trying to trade doesn't want to be there. So it's like, why am I going to give up so much? Because the player that you're trying to trade doesn't even want to be with you. Two, now it's like, all right, why am I going to give you that much as a player that said he doesn't want to be with you, doesn't even want to be on our team? So if I'm the what? if I'm the Washington Wizards, why would I give up anything of value? Because I know if I do have a shot to get Damian Lillard, he's not going to come. He's not going to report. He has said that. And three, if I am the team that Damian Lillard said he wants to go to, why would I give up all my assets? Because the player that I'm trying to trade for that said he wants to be here, said he wants to be here. So why would I give up as much? Because at the end of the day, he's going to end up here. So we thought. But that is bad business. That, I under, uh, again, you're hearing, play, you're hearing a lot of reports come out saying that, that you know, Daniel Lewis widened his base to now Milwaukee and Brooklyn which I think that would be insane <laughs> if David Lillard was traded to Milwaukee and then didn't show up and say, hey, no, I said I want to go to Miami. So if I don't go to Miami, I'm not going to, uh, like, if I'm not in Miami, I'm not showing up. Uh, that would be insane.
know what I'm saying? But, but for the Trailblazers, let's get back on track. For the Trailblazers, this move signifies that they are fully, they understand they're going to be bad next year. DeAndre Ayton is a good player, but he is no, he's not a, a, a franchise changer, at least at this point of his career. And you're, with them moving Drew Holiday for young assets and expiring contracts and draft picks, they are solely looking into the future, not really in the present, because the present, they really have no shot to win, especially when you talk about their best player currently, more than likely is a player they just got out of the draft, and we're not talking about like LeBron or something. Don't get me wrong, Scoot Henderson is good, he's a, he's a really good player, but he's not one of those players you can just win instantly. And not just that, the NBA isn't really, I, there's, Because of how wide the talent gap, or not gap, the talent net is in the NBA, it's very hard to just have a player that can come in and your team is ultimately, like the 2003 uh, Cleveland Cavaliers, they weren't that good. LeBron was good, but they weren't that good. I think Victor Wembanyama is going to be great for the Spurs. I just don't think this year is going to matriculate into like championship caliber. You know what I'm saying? Because there's so much talent in the NBA. This Portland Trailblazers team, they're not going to be good next year. They're, they're going to be okay to watch. They're going to be fun to watch. Drew Anderson has that Jaden, Jaden Sharp. They have that, uh, that infectious, I want to watch them energy that they, that, that they have. And of course, DeAndre Ayton is still a good player, but as far as winning, nah. And, like I said, it doesn't matter what you get unless you get a star for a star, which almost never happens in trades. This is an official reset for the Portland Trailblazers. They've been trying to reset for a while now, but this is the official reset. Because you didn't get a star back then. DeAndre Aiden is not a star. He's a good player. He's not a star. And he's definitely not on a star caliber or on the level that Damian Lillard is. So this is an official reset for an organization. And, yeah. <laughs> Gone are the days where we're looking for uh, the Portland Trailblazers to be, to, to be making any noise in anywhere because they don't have anybody right now right now. The team that um, I kind of understand what they're doing, but I don't know if they're doing it right, and that is the Phoenix Suns in this, in this aspect of the trade. The Phoenix Suns received Grayson Allen, Keenan Johnson, Nasir Little, and Yosef Nurkic. Now, the Phoenix Suns is the only team right now that I'm going to say this and it's going to sound crazy, but just hear me out. The Phoenix Suns is the only team, in my opinion, that got considerably worse 
after this trade. Now, oh, I know you say, wait, Portland Trailblazers just talked about them. They're right there. The Portland Trailblazers, they knew they were going to get worse. They, they, um, that's kind of what they want to do. They're kind of doing the same thing that the Washington Wizards are doing right now. You want to be as bad as possible, or you want to be bad because you can, you know, you can try to build through the draft and try to build up for, and the only really way to do that is to, uh, is to reset. Go and can't reset the organization with a star because it just doesn't work. So while yes, obviously the team that is drastically worse after this trade is the Portland Trailblazers, but they want to be worse. The Phoenix Suns don't want to be worse. And I was actually also shocked that the Phoenix Suns were in this deal because the Phoenix Suns literally just helped their biggest Eastern Conference competitor in getting Dan. Trust and believe, if Phoenix was not in this trade, this trade would not have happened. So the Phoenix Suns literally just helped their biggest Eastern Conference competitor get the prize. And now you can argue and you can debate which team is better between the Suns and the Milwaukee Bucks because of Damian Lillard. And Phoenix Suns, the Phoenix Suns ultimately helped with getting Damian Lillard. Now, the Suns have been very loud this offseason, but not in a bad way. Like they've made a lot of moves. Of course, you got the you got Bradley Bill, you, you got a lot of players, and this is such a top-heavy team. Um and offensively, this team is going to be pro- arguably the best offensive team in basketball. And honestly, I will go as far as saying if everything clicks the way it, it needs to click, this can be one of the greatest offensive teams in NBA history. When you look at the names, Dan, Dan, uh, Bradley Beal, Devin Booker, uh, Kevin Durant. So... What the Phoenix Suns did was they tried to build, they tried to build, and what they've been doing ever since getting Kevin Durant and Bradley Bills, they've been trying to build their bench. Their bench has been the void of defense and honestly reliable players. They, they, they have some good names on the bench, like they have uh, TJ Warren, they have Terrence Ross, they have Josh Okogie was probably going to start. Um, Damian Lee, like they have old, old. They have some okay names, but they haven't really. They, they, their goal now is to try to build out their bench and try to build out depth. Now I understand that they had to get off of DeAndre Ayton. It just seeing seeing what they got and seeing what they gave up. Obviously DeAndre Ayton. That really shows me that. The relationship between the Suns organization and DeAndre Ayton was not repairable. Because you got a player, you got a worse player than DeAndre Ayton in Yosef Nurkic. I understand probably offensively he's better. We talk about setting screens and you know low post presence. Offensively, your Nurkic is good or possibly better than DeAndre Ayton. But it's not by that much. Defensively, for sure, no, not now, neither one of them is, you know, prime to give him a defensively, but 
I will say that DeAndre is better. Is an overall better player than your Yusuf Nurkic. And honestly, also when we talk about injuries and availability, DeAndre Ayton is much better. So while the big name in this trade for the Suns is Yusuf Nurkic, I think that they are they feel better about getting Grayson Allen, who's a defender and who's one of the best catch and shoot players in basketball. Uh, Keenan Johnson, who is a high flyer and did give and is a, uh, was a good player for Portland. Nasir Little, who I don't know if he's going. That's a North Carolina project, by the way. But I don't know if he's going to be much of a focal point or much of a key piece to this team. Seeing as though he wasn't even a key piece for Portland Trailblazers when they needed him. So the Suns, they they to me got worse out of this trade, but that really only only means they they desperately want to get off DeAndre Ayton. And I think they've been trying to get off DeAndre Ayton and then they realize how many times, or the market for DeAndre Ayton is lukewarm at best. So they got the best trade possible and they they said you can obviously see they set out to build their depth, and that's exactly what they did. So this is this again. This trade is something that just reverberates throughout the entire NBA. And what's interesting is to me there are so many storylines going into. I'm not just going to look at the whole season. I'm going to look at this NBA finals, right? Imagine if Milwaukee makes it. You have Giannis, who is arguably the best player in basketball. You have Daniel Lillard, would be his first time making it to the NBA Finals. And and, and look at the storylines that we see. Or look at the storylines that we can see. Uh, they go against the Lakers. Is this LeBron James and Anthony Davis' last run? And then you'll have Giannis against Anthony Davis. You'll have Daniel Lillard against LeBron. Like it's what if it's Golden State? Will Daniel Lillard finally beat Steph Curry in the playoffs? And is this Golden State slash run? Can this firepower from Golden State outlast the half court offense and the firepower that the that the Milwaukee Bucks have? Hell, what if the Denver Nuggets make it? Arguably the two best players in basketball, Nicole Jokic, Giannis DiCicupo. You have Jamal Murray, Daniel Lillard. Like, there's so many interesting storylines. The Phoenix Suns. It's KD, Devin Booker, Bradley Bill. You're going, it's, it's the, the team that helped the other team get their star. Because again, this trade would not have happened if it wasn't for the Suns. So now you're playing against a team that you pretty much helped get to the finals. And this is a finals rematch of what, 2021? So this is this is going to be a fascinating year. All because Damian Lillard gets traded to the Milwaukee one player change the, the the water reverberations from this puddle from this splash is felt seismically throughout the entire league. 
I said there was one other team that we need to talk about. And this is one of the this is one of the first times in a while. Now this isn't the first time ever, but this is one of the first times in a while that the team that got the star is probably not as fascinating as the team that didn't end up getting him. In fact, the team that didn't end up getting him probably gets more coverage than the team that, also, that, that ultimately got the star, and that is the Miami Heat. Again, all this, the only reason why the Miami Heat are in this entire equation is because Daniel Lillard was adamant in saying that the only team that he wanted to play for was the Miami Heat. The word, the word of the day is spite. Because that to me is the thing that is ringing loud when we talk about this trade. Especially when we talk about the trade that, that could have been between Portland and Miami. Because don't get it twisted. And let's and, and this is how you kind of know that this is out of spite. When you look at what the Trailblazers got, almost every single package I've seen from the Miami Heat is better than what the what the Patrol the Trailblazers got ultimately. Outside of DeAndre Ayton, who's probably a better player, you would have gotten more, and you would have gotten an abundance more from the Miami Heat. But this is where the word spike comes from. And I think that a lot of this is not only Portland's fault. There's, there's three parts of this, obviously, that is the reason why Damian Lillard is not in Miami is for three reasons. Damian Lillard, the GM for Portland, and Miami's areas. Again, I think most of this stems stems with stems from the Portland Trailblazers GM. I don't think he wanted he did not want to seem weak in this situation. He did not want to seem like the person that did not have the power in this situation. Which ultimately he didn't have as much as he wanted, obviously, because he's not the star, but Dave Lillard was under contract for him. I think another, what, three, four years. So you sign an extension and then request a trade. That's the same thing Bradley Bill did. What If Daniel Lillard would have went to the Miami Heat, I think that it would have added to a dangerous precedent. And that is stars signing new long-term deals and then immediately wanting to or or requesting a trade and denying the services of the of the team that they just signed the contract to you see no one questions how good Daniel Lillard is but we're also talking about business. The NBA is a business. And 
signing contracts and ultimately reneging on those contracts without fulfilling them is bad business for anyone. And I don't think the Portland Trailblazers wanted to be the team, another victim of that situation. So the Portland Trailblazers had a little bit of spite towards Damian Lillard because it's like, yo, you're not going to dictate what we do. You're not going to sign a contract and then pretty much force our hand. That's not going to happen. That's what they would probably think. <laughs> That's not going to happen. You, we are going to move on our terms. We are going to do what's best for our team. That is, of course, the Portland Trailblazers. So I think a little bit of spite was definitely towards Damian Lillard when we talk about the Portland Trailblazers. A, a little bit of spite also was towards the arrogance of Miami Heat. When we talk about Miami Heat and stars and when we talk about, you know, Pat Riley, the, the statement that you always hear is Pat Riley always gets his guy. You hear that all the time. You heard that with uh, LeBron James. You heard that with Damian Lillard signing uh, contracts. You heard that with with Chris Bosh, you heard that with Alonzo Mourning, you heard that with Jimmy Butler. Pat Riley always gets his guy. You know who else hears that? You know, you know who else feels that way? Pat Riley and the Miami Heat. And it goes back to a point that I said in the beginning. When you're Damian Lillard and you say that I only want to go to one place, that one place hears you as well. And isn't going to break the bank to get you. Now, I do think that that's a little bit of arrogance because, again, some of the names that you heard that they were holding out on or they were holding out to or, or wanted to keep, Daniel Lewis is much, much better. When you have a player like Daniel Lewis, especially when you saw exactly why you struggled last year in the finals, I would think that those players were good as gone. Now, you heard reports saying that it could, they were asking for Bam and Jimmy Butler, or Jimmy Butler, no. But when you want a Tyler Euro, when you want a uh, Novak, or what, Novak Jokic, when you want a Duncan Robinson or a bunch of draft picks, take them. That's the name of We'll figure it out. And now you sit here today, the player that said he wanted to be with one franchise or he wanted to be traded to one franchise and that was your franchise. Your franchise didn't do enough to get him. And now you're the outside looking in. Not only that, they sent him to the team that you beat the first round of the playoffs last year. A team that we've never really seen collapse the way that the Milwaukee Bucks collapsed. But now you add Daniel Lillard into that equation. And you don't have to give up Chris Middleton or Brooke Lopez. The Miami Heat are now much worse because Caleb Martin, I mean not Caleb Martin, uh, Gabe York is gone. And, and or Gabe Vincent, I'm sorry, Gabe Vincent is gone, 
and uh, a lot of the pieces that were important to them to make this playoff run are gone. And older. I mean, Kyle Lowry, he didn't play much in the playoffs because he just wasn't that productive for the team. And you had it right there, man. You had the prize. The prize was Daniel Lillard. At the end of the day, the prize in this whole thing is Daniel Lillard. And all you had to do was make two free throws. Hypothetically, obviously. Or metaphorically, let's say. All you had to do was make two free throws, and you couldn't do that. And now, what's ironic is, if they would have got Damian Lillard, and honestly, outside of Giannis, like if we talk about the team aspect, I think that I think that Miami was a better destination for Damian Lillard. If we talk about team aspect, but. Damian Lillard now plays with arguably the best player in basketball in Giannis. And now, and now, I'm very interested to see uh, what this season is going to look like. So, yeah, that's Damian Lillard. Once, once that ball drops in the water, the it, the 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 waves just reverberate throughout the entire league. This is felt everywhere. So we'll see how it is next start of the season. Very interesting. It starts in about a month or a couple weeks actually. We'll see. Now for the people that didn't want to hear me talk about. Uh, didn't want to even talk about Damian Lillard in basketball. Let's let's get back to let's let's go to football. And the Detroit Lions beat the Green Bay Packers 34 to 20 on Thursday night football. This is this game signifies a new day and age, not just in football, but in the NFC North in particular. I've talked about this since, of course, Aaron Rodgers left, but the I said the NFC North was up for grabs. And when you look at just how this season has played out the first three slash four weeks, that is obviously the truth. And I said going into the year that I believe the Detroit Lions were going to win the division. And as we sit here today, the Detroit Lions are in first place of the division. You have it. You have two zero and three teams. You have a two and two team. And you have a three and one. And when we talk about, I'm not saying that the. Lions are a championship caliber team. I'm not saying that. But what are the components that is needed to be a contender? You need to have a good defense. Check for the Detroit Lions. You need to have a good coach. Check for the Detroit Lions. You need to have good skill positions. 
like the running back, David Montgomery, like wide receivers, John, John Reno, uh, Ron, John Ray, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm on St. Brown, I'm on Ross St. Brown, Marvin Jones, like, check. You need, and you need, you need a good offensive line. Detroit has one of the best offensive lines. Quite has kept one of the best offensive lines in football this year. Check. And you need the quarterback. Actually, probably number one is you need the quarterback. That is where I don't know about the Detroit Lions. I don't know how good Jared Goff is. I don't know if Jared Goff is the one to elevate this Detroit Lions team to Super Bowl aspirations. But what I will say is all the boxes that kind of, all the boxes that you need checked off to be a Super Bowl caliber team, the Detroit Lions have. And again, this is just a new day because for as long as I've been alive, I can't remember a Detroit Lions team that was actually comparable and actually, you know, a contender. And this is even the years that they had my favorite football player of all time in Megatron and Matthew Stafford and Nate Burleson. They They had Barry Sanders and didn't even compete. Couldn't Look, today, while no, I'm not ready to put the Detroit Lions in the same uh, class as you know, the 49ers, or honestly, even though the Cowboys lost the Cowboys right now. But that tier below, you know, the, the Seahawks, um, I can see. I can see this Detroit Lions team making a lot of noise in the playoffs. And I know it's a 14-point game. They beat them 34-20. But if you look at that game, it was pure domination. A lot of it was domination. They dominated the Green Bay Packers at Green Bay. Defense was was ferocious. They they sat, they kept getting to Jordan Love. It seemed like every big play they needed, the Detroit Lions needed, David Montgomery would give it to them. He had 32 carries for 121 yards, three touchdowns. Or John Reynolds. 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 What the fuck? <laughs> What is wrong with me, bro? I apologize, John. But John Reynolds, three receptions for 69 yards. Amon St. Brown, five receptions for 56 yards. It just seems like every big play they needed, they got. And every big stop they needed, they got. Until like the fourth quarter where it was definitely out of reach. But I think, but, but I think pretty much the entire game was like that. Yo, I think Jared Goff threw a pick, like the first drive of the game. It might have been the first play. It was the first drive of the game. 
he threw a pick. Interception. And going into the half, I think the score was 24-3. And he threw a pick pretty much on their, like, 20-yard line or something. And they went to half. I think it was 24-3. Total domination. Damn, there's not much wrong that you can say about this team. The only question mark right now that I have is Jared Goff. Because trust and believe, if a top, if there was another top tier quarterback, if hell, a lot of people are giving me flag for my Justin Herbert comments. If Justin Herbert was the quarterback of this team, if Lamar Jackson was the quarterback of this team, if Tua Tagovailoa was the quarterback of this team, if Josh Allen was the quarterback of this team, this team would be Super Bowl contenders for sure. I would be go as far as saying they could be Super Bowl favorites in the East. Or in the NFC. And that's even with the Eagles and the 49ers and the Cowboys. And on the other side, I'm not going to kill Jordan Love. Jordan Love, I mean, the offensive line didn't really help him much at all. Uh, the running game didn't help as much. Romeo Dobbs was kind of going crazy. Nine receptions for 95 yards. Um, but this is the third game in a row where the Green Bay Packers had to overcome double-digit deficits. They didn't overcome this one. This is the third game in a row. Actually, all four games. Jordan Love has had moments of, but he looks like he has very beautiful throws, very good throws, very, very throws that make you feel like, all right, they're, they're going to be good. Then, he has throws where it's like, yo, what were you looking at? Or, good God, it's going to be a long year for the Green Bay Packers. He finished 246 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions. And both those interceptions were his fault, for sure. Again, I'm not, I will say that Jordan Love has looked better than I expected, but I did expect turbulence this year with this Green Bay Packers team with Jordan Love at the helm. And through the first four weeks, we've seen nothing but turbulence. Now, again, there's a lot of injuries. I will say, say that, excuse me, there's a lot of injuries. Zaire Alexander didn't play. Uh, no, Christian Watson played his first game of the year on Thursday. I get that. But what I'm talking about is, you know, what Jordan Love can control. And it's going to take a while to really grasp that starting quarterback position. So I'm not killing him. I'm not saying he was terrible. What I'm saying is there were times where he just looked like, yeah, it's, it's going to take some time. And then there was times where he just looked great. So, 
out to the Detroit Lions for beating the Green Bay Packers 34 to 20. With Thursday Night Football, uh, that usually is the start of week four of the NFL. So I'm going to give my week four predictions. Starting the game that is happening on Disney Plus. I think they're doing a Toy Story thing, which I think is pretty cool. I don't know how many little kids care about the Falcons or the Jaguars, but I, I understand what they're doing, so I'm, I'm not hating. Um, that game starts at 9.30, that again, the Falcons at Jaguars. I, I don't like what I'm seeing out of the Jaguars, especially offensively. They have the most drops in the NFL this year, so I don't, that, that doesn't really bode well. But the Falcons are, so, I, I, I think that how the Jaguars played last week, it's going to, they, they're going to try to uh, rectify that and, and redeem themselves. So the Jaguars bring that. Honestly, I think the game of the week, and I think it's criminal that it's 1 o'clock in the afternoon, is the Dolphins at Bills. I understand that I think the Bills, I don't know if Tua's beaten Josh Allen or maybe once, but we know how exciting and prolific this offense is. That is the Dolphins. And we also know how good this Bills offense can be. I think oof, I'm going to pick the Dolphins. It's kind of hard for me to not pick the team that just beat a team by 50 and put 70 on their head. So I, I like the Dolphins. I like how Tua's playing. I think that Tua is the clear-cut MVP right now. Uh, four weeks in, so I have the Dolphins beating the Bills. The, you have the Vikings at Panthers. I think the Vikings are going to win. I mean, I know that both these teams are 0-3, something going to have to give. But right now, I'm trusting Kirk Cousins more than I trust Bryce Young, who didn't even play last week. I, I just the, the, the Vikings are much better than 0-3, or they should be much better than their 0-3 schedule. So I'm going to have the Vikings. The Broncos, which is another 0-3 matchup. The Broncos at Bears. I think the Broncos are better. And the Broncos need to be better after what they displayed. And I think the Bears are the worst team in football. They just they demonstrated they're the worst team in football right now. So I have the Bears beating the I mean no, I have the Broncos beating the Bears at home. Ravens at Browns. This is the, the Browns are sneaky one of, if not the best defense in football. At least they've been that this year so far. And the Ravens, I don't know who's going to be there. Who's not? They're always injured, <laughs> unfortunately. Uh, I do think Lamar obviously is playing better than Sean Watson, but that defense is that defense is ferocious from the Browns. So, and they're playing in Cleveland. So I think I'm going to pick the Cleveland Browns to beat the Ravens uh, at home. So because that defense is, is crazy, and I think they've allowed the least amount of rushing yards this year. And Ravens calling card is rushing attack, so yeah. Steelers at Texans. I actually like the Texans defense, but hmm, there's not outside of the defense, there's not much to like about the Steelers right now. And Mike Tomlin. But uh, do I try, no, because CJ Stroud was going crazy last week against the Jags. Hmm. I'm gonna go with the Texans. I just I think CJ Stroud right now, especially after last week, is playing a little bit better than Kenny Pickett. 
but we do know that the Steelers defense is the Steelers defense. So, but I do like the Texas defense. The Texas Texas defense is playing well. Uh, so I have the Texans beat the Steelers. Rams at Colts. I have the Rams. Uh, I just Matthew Stafford. I don't know how Anthony Richardson is going to look. I have the Rams beating the beating the Colts. Buccaneers at Saints. This is a big game for Jameis. Obviously, it looks like Jameis is going to play. And I'm going to pick the Saints. I just think the Saints defense is going to be, we saw what Baker Mayfield look like against a really good defense last week and uh, against the Eagles, and he kind of struggled. The Saints have a really good defense as well. So I think I'm going to pick the Saints. Commanders at Eagles. Um, dang. <laughs> you about to destroy the Commanders. I got the Eagles beating the Commanders, and they're at home. Jesus. Bengals at Titans. I have the Bengals, even though I don't think that Joe Burrow is still is right yet. I do think that he's good enough to beat the Titans. So I have the, I have the Bengals. Raiders at Chargers. It looks like Jimmy G is not going to play, and even if he was playing, the Chargers desperately need this win because it's the Raiders. Uh, I have the Chargers winning that. And the charge at home. So, Patriots at Cowboys. I understand that people are trying to hype this up uh, as like a really good game. I think the Cowboys are going to destroy the Patriots. I just, especially after what we saw last last week against the Cardinals, the Cowboys are upset. I, I just, I think the Cowboys are going to destroy the Patriots. And suiting the next game, Cardinals at 49ers. I think the 49ers are going to destroy the Cardinals. Oh my gosh, Sunday Night Football is the Chiefs at Jets. Again, I have to I have to remember that they made these schedules in, in thinking that... Uh, well, you can flex games, can't you? I would have definitely flexed this Chiefs at Jets for like the Dolphins and Dolphins at Bills. Like, what are we doing, guys? Uh, the Chiefs are going to destroy the Jets. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's going to be bad. Uh, Seahawks at Giants. I think the Seahawks are going to Giants pretty thoroughly. I just don't like what I've seen out of this Giants offense, even though Darren Waller has looked good as kind of the number one target for Daniel Jones. I just think the Seahawks are better. So those are my predictions. We'll see. Also wanted to shout out on the fact that uh, the USFL is merging with the XFL. Uh, for people that say that they love football, they are lying. <laughs> I'll say this. People love football and people want to see football, but people love the NFL. And people, at the end of the day, even though the NFL is about the shield and the teams or whatever, you want to be able to attach yourself to a player. You want to be able to attach yourself to a team, to a story. The thing that the XFL and the USFL do not do well is they don't have marketable players. Like, they don't have a Patrick Mahomes. They don't have an Aaron Rodgers. They don't have a Lamar Jackson. They don't have a Christian McCaffrey or Brock Purdy or Jalen Hurts. They don't have those type of players. So while you're watching the games, you don't know anything about any of these players. And I think that really hurts and hinders the product that is the XFL and the USFL. Um, people want to see football, but more than anything, People want to attach themselves to to uh, a player, 
So until they have that, I think that both leagues, I do think it's cool that they're merging, but there's a reason why year after year we see, we hear that both the XFL and the USFL lose money. They need to, you need that star. They don't have that as of now. So we'll see. But congratulations to both of them. Um, also, I want to say congratulations to Ronald Acuna for being the first player in MLB history to have 400 home runs and 70 or more stolen bases. Uh, this has been a incredible year for the Braves. This has been an incredible year for Ronald Acuna, obviously. And I think the Braves are one of the favorites to at least make it to the World Series in
the practice squad quarterback. I would love to be wrong about this. I would love to come here and say Colin Kaepernick is is still, you know, one of has the opportunity to be one of the best players, one of the best, you know, one of the best quarterbacks in football. I want to come here and say that Colin Kaepernick still has a shot of being an NFL quarterback. But it's over, man. We look at Deshaun Watson, and I'm not saying that what they've done off the field does the same, obviously. But we look at Deshaun Watson, we look how bad that he has looked after missing, what, two or one and a half, two years, and how long it takes for him to get back. He still isn't back, but again, he missed about uh, a year and a half, two years, and he looks completely lost a lot of times. Colin Kaepernick has not played football since 2016. And Quantas didn't he get a, a settlement from the NFL after suing? Look here, man. Oh, not to mention the 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 workout, the unprecedented workout that the NFL did for him. And he like completely he didn't even show up or he completely changed the terms and instead of having it at a football like an NFL facility, he had it at like a, a park or something. Or high school. Which pretty much looked like a slap in the face in the NFL. That's kinda what I kinda of like Stephen Smith, that's kinda of what I know. Yeah, that's over with because man. Again, I would like to be wrong. I would like to see Colin Kaepernick back in the league. But I also understand that I'm not the one that's making those decisions. This owners is the one that the owners don't want Colin Kaepernick back. Not to mention, Colin Kaepernick again has not played since 2016. When one dance was going crazy in our ears. And people were going to see Finding Dory. I was, I was, I graduated college. May 2016. It's over with for Colin Kaepernick. You cannot be a logical NFL fan and think that Colin Kaepernick can come to your organization right now after not being in the league for almost 10 years and think that Colin Kaepernick is about to just change the fortune of that's just not going to happen. Again, I would love to be wrong, but I don't think I am. The unpopular topic of the day is, yo, it's over with, bro. I don't want it to be over, obviously, but there is no signs pointing in the it's still alive or direction. Once Colin Kaepernick didn't show up for that NFL sanction, like NFL created tryout, which is never at, was never happened. Once he was like, "Nah, we gonna do it at a high school field," and he changed like an changed the terms an hour before. Once that happened, 
I know it's a wrap, bro. Again, bro, Colin Kaepernick has not played since 2016. You can't logically think that Colin Kaepernick was a, was the quarterback for your team that you have a shot. This is a movie, bro. As unfortunate as it is, that's just that's just it. So I wish nothing but the best for him. I just don't, and I would love again to see him play again, but I just I I, I don't see it. So there you have it, man. That has been today's episode of the MP Popular Podcast. I appreciate you. I apologize for the audio. Um, I'm trying to figure it out. I am trying to figure it out. I don't know exactly what it is right now. I think it's probably something with the, the system. But I apologize for the audio and the the wave of audio, you know, the journey that I'm taking on in this audio thing. It's I'm trying to get it right. I don't want to not record. And I don't want to not put out episodes um, until I figure it out because I, I'm, I'm trying to figure it out myself. But I do apologize with how the audio sounds this episode, majority of this episode. It, it definitely isn't. It's not my best work. I'm just I'm trying to figure it out. So I appreciate the people that uh, are you know, sticking with me through this. It's, uh, it's, it's frustrating. It's frustrating because I'm trying to figure this out and I have absolutely no idea what's going on. So, again, I apologize for the audio mishaps and, and all the audio mess-ups that you're hearing through this episode and the last few episodes. I'm, I promise you I'm trying to figure this out. Um, and that's been today's episode of the Podcast. I truly, truly appreciate you guys. Uh, until next time, much love.